hear now the word of our Lord. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and, and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home for brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Whenever I think of Jesus and the children, I think of my first time uh, going on a mission trip to El Salvador. I was um, a, a youth pastor um, at Central United Methodist Church in Radford, Virginia, and, um, and uh, the associate, uh, Don Sheeler, had gone to uh, El Salvador the year before, and he said, Danny, I really want you to go to El Salvador. And he said, don't worry about the money. We'll figure it out. I just want you to commit to going. And, and so I did. And, uh, and it, it was an experience that changed my life. And um, 
I remember uh, taking off in that airplane and, uh, and my tummy being a little queasy, just like it always is, taking off and landing, um, but, but feeling fine uh, once I got in the air and having a sense of peace that, that yes, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, I remember we got there, and, um, and, 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 uh, and one of the first days, one of the first things we did is we had Vacation Bible School. Now, Vacation Bible School uh, in El Salvador is a, a lot different than Vacation Bible School the way we do it here, right? Um, uh, vacation Bible School in most of our churches are a, a, a big affair, right? A lot of money is spent sort of decking out the church, sort of um, uh, uh, making, uh, making sets and, um, and having all these rotations. Um, and, and, uh, and, and in El Salvador, we had vacation Bible school basically with everything we could fit in a suitcase. And, um, but it did not feel, uh, it did not feel paltry or it did not feel like, um, like it, it was undercooked in any way. It felt perfect. Now, so the first day we did Vacation Bible School, um, we were at this, uh, they called it the community center. Um, but what it reminded me of was, uh, was our, um, our, our picnic shelter out there. Uh, just picture the picnic shelter, but picture it sort of enclosed. It's got a door and windows. And that was the community center. And there was this gate that you can, can kind of see in the picture and the gate went all the way around the community center and it had a, it, it, it had a door that swung shut and, uh, and, and stayed locked. And I remember the first day uh, we, we did vacation Bible school, we sort of had our lesson time and then we had free time where we'd play with the kids. And this is us playing with the kids. I think we're playing monkey in the middle here. And, um, and, 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 uh, and, and, I, and I remember um, uh, pulling out uh, some balloons that I had in my pocket. Now, I'm not the kind of, I can't make swords and dogs and things like that. But what I could do is I could blow up a balloon and, like, draw a picture on it with a Sharpie. And, and so that's what I was doing uh, with my balloons. And uh, I remember the kids just sort of mobbing me, you know, uh, surrounding me. And, and they had this, this, this habit uh, that drove me up the wall. They had this little sound that they would make with their teeth when they were trying to get my attention. They, they would go, ch ch right and so uh and so they're reaching uh, can i have a balloon and then can i have one for my brother at home and, and that kind of thing and suddenly i was out of balloons and so the next day i came loaded for bear right both uh, pockets were stuffed with balloons and i had an extra sharpie right um because i had in mind the 20 30 kids that were there the first time we were there well we got to the gate that morning and, um, and the gate was still locked, but all of the kids were on the other side of the gate, right? I don't know whether they went under or over, uh, but they were already there waiting, and they had each brought friends. And so that, uh, that was like 100 kids at this point. And as soon as we unlocked the gates and walked through like a bunch of civvies, um, we uh, uh, were suddenly mobbed uh, by, by, by all of these kids, sort of like we were beetles or something, right? And, and they were all... Now, I always 
picture this when I think of Jesus and the little children. Because when we, uh, when, when we see pictures like in art or on bulletin covers or, or whatever of Jesus and the little children, um, it's always the same scene. Jesus is sitting on a rock somewhere, right? And like it always looks like he's in the middle of a park, right? And he's sitting on a rock and, and he's explaining something to the children who are all sitting crisscross applesauce listening to Jesus, right? And um, that is just not my experience with children, right? Um, I am picturing these children sort of mobbing Jesus, right? And, um, and, and the reason I'm picturing that is because the disciples are alarmed and they see a problem here. And I, I do not believe that if these disciples, if what they saw was Jesus sitting on a rock and a bunch of children singing crisscross applesauce listening to him, and him just sort of going one by one and patting them on the head and blessing them, I don't think the disciples would have seen a problem here. I think what the seeing is, is, is Jesus essentially, be, essentially being mobbed by all these snot-faced, germy children, you know, rubbing their hands all over uh, 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 their rabbi going, and so the disciples decide to step in, and they rebuke the children. Now, rebuke is not a word that we use a lot today, uh, but I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. Rebuke is not, now children, you know you're not supposed to be doing this. Give the rabbi some space, right? That's not rebuke. Rebuke is what Jesus did to the demons when he drove the demons out of people, right? There was a lot of yelling, there was a lot of foaming at the mouth, right? Um, and, 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 and rebuke is, be gone, right? And that's essentially what the disciples are doing to the children. Get out of here. Scram. Go home. Give our rabbi some space. Right? Because they're the gatekeepers. Well, Jesus turns around on them, and he's indignant. He says, let these children come to me. For it is to such as these that the kingdom belongs. In fact, unless you become like one of these little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So the disciples are chastened, right? They step back. Whatever you say, Rabbi, of course, right? right. What were we thinking? You have to become a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. Of course, yes, right? Now, they're probably just as confused as we are by this, right? Um, but, uh, but they sort of give Jesus his space, of course, of course. But what does that mean, become like a little child? You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become like a little child. What does that even mean? I can remember um, when I was uh, eight or nine years old, um, I was at my Uncle David and my and Aunt Holly's house, and, um, and we were outside in the front yard. And Uncle David was sort of watering the lawn, and, um, and, and it was kind of one of those suburban houses that has, like, the plants out front, um, but, but the plants are surrounded by all of these white rocks, you know? And, uh, and I remember uh, Uncle David looking at me and telling me, Danny, did you know that I used to, uh, that I used to work for NASA? I said, really? He said, yeah, I used to work for NASA. I used to uh, uh, fly space shuttles. I said, wow. 
You were an astronaut? Yeah, yeah, Jamie, I was an astronaut. In fact, you see all those white rocks there? Uh, the, I brought all these white rocks back from the planet Venus. And I thought, yeah, wow. My Uncle David, who knew? Right? And I kid you not, it was like five years ago, I was, uh, I was sweeping around the house, right? And I got to thinking about that, and I thought to myself, man has never set foot on Venus. <laughs> he lied to me. Right? That's how long it took, right? <laughs> Have you ever had something like that, that, like you're told something as a child, and you just sort of, uh, you just sort of blindly shake your head and believe it, and then it's not till years later that you revisit, and you're like, wait a minute. You lied to me. There's no way. You didn't work for NASA. A lot of us think that's what, what, what having the faith of a child is like, right? That just sort of nodding your head and accepting things blindly, right? And, uh, and, and if, if, if the pastor comes into church and says, look at all these space rocks, you're just supposed to say, yeah, yeah, that's cool, right? That, that, that there's something about uh, just blindly accepting things, that that's sort of a childlike faith. Don't take it home. Don't think about it. Don't pull it apart. Don't, don't, don't chew it. Just sort of blindly, blindly accept it and, and don't think about it too hard. A lot of us think that's what Jesus is getting at. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. Another thing we say is like, it's about innocence, right? We say, oh, you know, children are so innocent. And, uh, and, 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 and as we go through life, we, we, we get more and more corrupt. And, and boy, if we could just go back to having the innocence of a child, that, that's what Jesus is after, right? That, that childlike innocence. Because children are just so innocent and pure. People who say that have never spent a lot of time around children. Um, children are not innocent. Um, children are conniving. <laughs> Sorry, they are, and you all were, right? Um, like, they'll try one parent, not get the answer they like, and then go try the other parent, right? They're, they're constantly thinking of ways to get between you and your cookies. Um, and, and anyone who's been a teacher, you can attest, you can testify, children can be cruel. Right. Sometimes the 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 the, the, the uh, 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 recess can be the most Darwinian jungle-like atmosphere that exists. I don't think Jesus is holding up the children as these great paragons of virtue and saying, "Hey, if if you'd just be like these snot-faced little brats, then you would just <laughs> you'd be great." Right. I don't think that's what Jesus is after. So, what does it mean having the faith of a child being? Being a child, you must enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, normally what the disciples would do, right, if, uh, if they weren't sort of picking up what Jesus was laying down, is that they would take him aside and they would say, Master, explain this to us. Teacher, explain this to us. What did you mean out there when you said you must be a child to enter the kingdom of heaven? Except they don't have the chance. Because just as they're leaving the place, someone runs up, right? This person that we've come to know as the rich young ruler, right? The, 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 this young person comes and, and, and runs up to Jesus, and he's thinking the exact same thing the disciples are. What does this mean? What do you mean you have to be a child to enter the kingdom of heaven? 
And so he asked Jesus, what must I do? What must I do to inherit this eternal life? How can I enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, well, you've heard the commandments, right? He starts listing some of the ten. Hopefully y'all recognize some of them, right? Honor your father and mother. Uh, don't defraud. Don't lie. Don't steal. And he says, all of these I have kept since my youth. Now, Y'all are good Christians in here, right? And so as soon as he said that, your alarm bells went off, and you're like, ah-ha, uh-uh, uh-uh, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? No one's kept all of the commandments. Nice try, buddy, right? Your problem is pride. Well, if Jesus thinks that, he doesn't let on. Jesus seems to take the man at face value. In fact, it says he looks at him, and he loves him. He looks at this guy and says, he is so, so close. But he says, one thing you lack. It's this one thing. You're so close. This one thing you lack. It's simple. Go sell all of your possessions, give the money to the poor, and come follow me. Not what we wanted to hear today, is it? Right? Getting a little nervous. How's the pastor going to get us out of this one? Must be something in the Greek, right? Seems pretty black and white to me. Right? This is one of those that we want to massage away. This is one of those that we want to sort of, sort of smooth the edges on, right? Surely Jesus didn't mean give all your possessions and away and, and give the money to the poor. Surely he didn't mean that. And so what we do, this trick we play, right? I'm already on to you. This trick we play is, 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 is what I call the special prescription, right? Because Jesus is like a doctor and he looks at each of our hearts and then he writes a special prescription meant just for that one person, right? And so here, here, here's what we do. Tell me if you've heard this sermon before, right? Jesus looked at that rich young ruler and knew that his problem was greed. And so, just like our doctor, he pulls out his pad and he writes a special prescription for your greed problem, just you. Don't share this with anybody. Just you. You need to sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and come follow me, right? that special prescription just for this guy, no one else. And then we sort of let ourselves off the hook. <sighs> I'm glad my problem's not greed. I'm glad I don't have to give up my stuff because I couldn't do that, right? But here's the thing. What Jesus asked of the rich young ruler is the same thing he asked of all his disciples. Peter says as much, right? He says, Lord, we've given everything to come follow you. And he's right. Remember when Peter and Andrew are singing in a boat, they've got Megan the shade with a glass of lemonade, they've got their, 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 their fishing business, they're, uh, they're, they're there with their father. When their father, when their father dies, uh, uh, the, the business is going to be their, theirs. 
Then Jesus shows up on the shore, says, leave it all behind, come follow me. Remember Matthew called Levi sitting at that tax collector table? Right? Sure, he's not making a lot of friends doing this, but he can afford to have, a, have big parties on the weekends. He's got security. He, he, he lives in, in, in the best apartment in Capernaum. And then Jesus shows up. Leave it all behind. Come, follow me. Remember those people that wanted to follow Jesus and they said, uh, just give me time, just, uh, just, just let me bury my father. And he says, we're moving. Let the dead bury their own dead. Anyone uh, who looks back and, and, and does not uh, uh, put his shoulder to the plow is not fit to follow me. Anyone who would be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me because birds have nests, uh, uh, foxes have dens, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I mean, this is a prescription he goes around writing to everyone who asks to follow him. It's not his special deal with the rich young ruler. If you want to follow Jesus, you give it all up and you follow him and you depend on him. I'm sorry, I wish there was something in the Greek. I don't like it either. I've got a lot of stuff I like. But this is clearly what Jesus says discipleship is about. Giving up all that security, giving up all that stuff, giving up all that we don't want to part with and following him. And he says, the richer you are, the harder it is for you to do. But with God, all things are possible. See, there's a story of uh, three travelers who were uh, explorers who were looking for the fountain of youth. One of these travelers was a warrior. One uh, was a merchant and one was a holy man. And each of them, when they got to the cave that, that the fountain of youth was supposed to be in, uh, there at, at the mouth of the cave, there was a sign that said, uh, only those who kneel may drink from the fountain of youth. Well, when the warrior got to the cave and he saw the sign that says, only those who, may, uh, who kneel may drink from the fountain of youth, he realized that he had so much armor on and so many weapons strapped to his body, he, he was like the tin man, and he, he couldn't kneel. And when that merchant reached the, the mouth of the cave and saw that sign that says only those who, who, who kneel may drink from the fountain of youth, well, he realized he, he had so many uh, jewels and coins in his pocket. Like if he were to kneel, they, they, they would just spill all over the place and he would lose them. And when the holy man gets to the mouth of the cave, he realizes that he's wearing all of these robes that, that, that separate him from the other people and that these robes are not to get soiled or stained and so he can't kneel in the cave. And so what did each of them do? The warrior had to remove his armor and his weapons of war so he could kneel and drink from the fountain of youth. The merchant had to divest himself of all of his jewels and coins 
so he could kneel and drink from the fountain of youth. And the holy man had to take off all of those robes that separated him from everyone else and entered a cave naked as the day he came into the world to drink from the fountain of youth. Unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. See, what I think that means is that you and I are called to have radical dependence on God. Just as a little baby needs his mama for food, for comfort, for shelter, and for survival. So we are called to depend on God like children. Y'all, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Nora Grace is graduating and she's getting ready to go to college. And I'm seeing the days fall off the tree like leaves and I'm, I'm just, I'm struggling with it. Because I know that there are these phases that you go through as a parent and, uh, and, and, and they're marked by the things you say to them, right? Like that first phase is, 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 is hold on to my hand. And then that second phase of parenting is stay where I can see you. And then the third phase is call me when you get there. And the fourth phase is won't you come visit sometime. And I know I'm marching right toward won't you come visit sometime. And it's good and it's natural. And those fathers in our lives that we rightly celebrate today are uh, have the wisdom to, to, to know when to let go and, and to guide us and prepare us so that we would be ready to stand on our own two feet. But the life of faith takes the journey backwards. Starting from radical independence and it begins the journey towards radical dependence. And it's a journey of letting go, of growing young. And I don't know if it's all at once like the rich young ruler had to do, but all of us, we go through this life and we have to start letting go of that stuff. All of us, if we reach the end and we're still sitting on a pile, we didn't do it right. There's no way out of that. Discipleship is about letting go of the stuff and trusting God. So we're taking off from El Salvador. I was a little nervous. And finally we got in the air. And when we were in the air, I always, if I can, like I'm not going to fight you for it, but if I can, I like the window seat. 
And, uh, and so I was sitting in the, the window seat, and I was, uh, 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 what I love about it is just sort of seeing the tops of the clouds. I've always just thought that was a magical experience. And so I remember vividly, and I'm not the person that has like big profound dreams, okay? I don't want to misrepresent myself, but, but this is one that I actually had. Right. And I, I remember vividly I was uh, I, I was sitting in that airplane chair. I was looking out at, 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 at the tops of the clouds and I nodded off to sleep. And in my dream, I was there on the tops of the clouds, um, just like in all the jokes right at the pearly gates at heaven. You would recognize it. St. Peter was there with this, you know, stand in his book. And I was waiting and lying like everybody else. I was like, I hope my name's on that book. And here's the part I remember vividly. As I was sort of standing in line, I heard a sound coming from the other side of the gate. And I looked, and there was all those children. And I knew they didn't go through the front door. <laughs> they went over or under, I don't know. But I knew they were waiting for us. And that image haunted me. Because see, when you get back from one of those trips, it's a little jarring. The streets are wider again. Um, it, 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 it is just it's a different world. And you look around and you've got all of this stuff. And for that first week, you don't want anything to do with it. It kind of makes you sick a little bit. And then you forget. But that image has stuck with me. Of those children waiting on the other side of the gate. With nothing. And it haunts me. Because I know the gospel is true. That it's to such as these. That the kingdom of God belongs. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.